0: From the studio of KPSU Portland in an association with the Department of History at Portland State University, this is Beyond Footnotes. Join us as we explore public, local, and world history through discussions with professors, authors, and fellow students. This is Beyond Footnotes. I'm Joshua Justice. I'm Ryan Wisnor. Thanks for tuning in. This is our uh, inaugural episode. And uh, if I guess we should begin with what the show's all about. So today, um, this is kind of our
1: preface for this year. We'll be introducing you to why we're here, what we'll be talking about through this year and kind of talk about the format as well as who we are. So Beyond Footnotes is a kind of a brainchild of both Joshua and I over the past six months, thinking about how to reach more people um, with the great history that faculty and students are doing here at PSU. We connected um, last spring term while doing some podcasts, and I feel like we've kind of set up a nice, nice map for this year of interviewing graduate students who are doing their thesis and uh, thesis work and professors who are um, writing and publishing. So, Joshua, I guess, what would you like to say?
0: Uh, Well, you know, maybe we should clue people in on some of, uh, I guess, those technical details. um, As far as, you know, how is the show going to be laid out? We're sort of envisioning it, and I think this first show will demonstrate it. Um, a discussion. Um, You know, Ryan mentioned we're going to have graduate students and professors on the show, um, maybe an author here and there. Uh, And I guess the idea is to go sort of into their research and ask them some questions that may not be answered in their research or writing. Um, And I know that uh, at least one of the goals for me is to sort of make history... um, I don't want to use the word fun because I you know, I already think it's there, but um, make it more accessible. So, um, again, these discussions are maybe something you wouldn't get uh, sitting in a lecture or something like that. Um, and then as far as when we're going to air, uh, you know, most shows here on KPSU are weekly. Uh, we're going to sort of go the bi-weekly route so that we can make sure we're putting out quality content. I think our next show is going to be two weeks out. Um, We'll talk more about that later, um, Brian. Do you want to add in a little bit about maybe what we're, what you think we're setting out to accomplish here? Sure. Uh, I
1: think what motivated me to be a part of this project is uh, I think there's a lot of great stories in history that folks are working on, and uh, we, in the history department, maybe catch bits and pieces of what each of us are working on in conversations in the hallways. But I guess we wanted to kind of you know, give that hallway conversation some airtime. You know, what are people working on? What are they discovering in their archives of research? Um, And make it accessible. I think uh, there are what I love about podcasts and one specifically related to history. So I may not have a whole lot of time to read numerous 400, 500-page history books, but I enjoy the radio format so I can listen to an author and really get that condensed argument in in a reasonable amount of time while I'm riding the bus or washing dishes. So uh, that's what I like about the radio.
0: Yeah, um, I I think I'm right there with you. Um, You know, I hate to not expand much on that, but um, I do think one of the great things about radio is the ability for um, people who, um, you know, students... Uh, Like us, I I know that um, I don't have a lot of free time to read books for leisure right now, but um, it's always nice to throw on um, a short podcast that I can just sort of listen to on my walk to work or uh, the bus or uh, what have you. Um, And I guess we should probably introduce ourselves. I know that we know each other, but our audience out there doesn't know us. Um, I'll start. Um, You know, I was born in southeastern Michigan. I moved to Portland in 2011. I've been here with um, KPSU for, I think, going on a year now. Um, I guess I started last January doing a music show, uh, Static and Distance. That'll be playing in the off weeks. Um, And, you know, as Ryan mentioned, I sort of came about this idea of doing a history podcast through our work Uh, last term. um, We put together a series of podcasts about the Heritage Tree Program, Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, And so I'm hoping to sort of emulate that in a more, um, I guess, a a more back-and-forth conversation um, format. So, um, you know, as far as my role or place here at Portland State, I'm in the history program, a senior um, in the bachelor's history program. Um, And, you know, as far as academic interests, I'm sort of interested in both local and public history. Um, It's a very broad way of putting it, but I have that luxury because I'm not writing a thesis yet. (laughs) Cool. Well, I keep
1: forgetting that Joshua and I are both from the Midwest. I'm also from Ohio originally, and then I moved around a little bit. Uh, I came to Portland in 2007 from Washington, D.C., um, I studied history in my undergraduate and really thought about uh, going to graduate school for a number of years before making the decision to come here to PSU. Um, but during that time, I was working uh, in the food service industry and doing union organizing, and uh, I just did that for about seven, eight years here in town, and then um, I came back to school. And my focus, my my historical inquiry, my, my just what I just can't stop thinking about is the role um, labor plays in society and how individuals uh, relate to the work that they do and how they relate to each other on their jobs and the meaning that that has for them and the struggles that they um, the struggles that they take on uh, to 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 live. So um, that leads me to a lot of oral history. Um, I will hopefully be able to share some of those you know, throughout the course of this year, I think Joshua and I would like to share new media or different media um, beyond just interviews, beyond just interviews, but share more music, more uh, archival clips. Um, so and there's a lot of good recorded oral history out there, almost too much for us to, you know, to, to, to share. Um, but yes, I'm a, I'm a master's student here. Um, I got my first year done. This, this is the
0: start of the second year. And looking forward to hopefully finishing on time. So, uh, yeah. And just to, um, maybe expand a little bit, um, as far as sharing sources outside of just these interviews, um, you know, if you're finding this through the podcast later, um, you're not listening live right now, uh, then you probably have already seen the website, um, on either the history department or KPSU. So we do plan to share some of those sources there, um, and I know that, um, at least myself, you know, I, I do want to try and keep that going so that people who are interested in the topic of the show have a little bit um, further reading or watching or listening to do. Cool. So, I guess maybe we should go into yesterday's interview.
1: Yeah. Um, we Yesterday, we interviewed um, Professor uh, Garrison, and um, so... I think Joshua has it all lined up for us to begin and he's gonna kinda of introduce, you know, the history department, which is actually a sponsor for this uh this podcast and radio show. Without them, we couldn't be doing this. And so uh we had a great
0: conversation and uh yeah. And um before I go ahead and play that interview, um I guess I should give a little lead in into who Professor Garrison is. Many of you probably know him is the chair of the Department of History here at Portland State. Um, he's also a scholar of both American legal and Native American history. He's author of The Legal Ideology of Removal, The Southern Judiciary, and the Sovereignty of Native American Nations, uh, numerous articles and historical publications across the country. He's also edited several other books on the history of U.S. and Native American policy. In addition to his role as history chair, he also teaches here At Portland State, some of those courses, um, U.S. Constitutional History, U.S. Indian Policy, and the one that I met um, Professor Garrison in, uh, History and Film, he taught a section of that about um, sort of examining America's role in various wars through film. Um, And it was an interesting study, you know, it wasn't. So much just looking at um, let's let's examine what this war is about, but more the perception of those wars at the time the films were made. So, um, you know, me being a, a media-heavy person, uh, radio, music, film, I really like looking at history through that lens. Um, so again, uh, we're going to go ahead and roll that interview from yesterday with Professor Garrison. So, Professor Garrison, how did you become a historian? What sort of led you to the study of history?
2: Okay, well, before I answer that, let me uh, say thanks to both of you for organizing uh, the show. I think it's a great idea. Uh, We're really proud of you for doing this. And, um, you know, at a time where we really need some outreach for history, uh, you're providing us some uh, incredible service. So thank you for that. Uh, you know, there's a—unfortunately, uh, he's not with us anymore—Southern uh, humorous, Cajun humorist from southwest Louisiana named Justin Wilson, and he always used to say that Cajuns had a big curious. And uh, I think that's where I began with trying to figure out how I became a historian, is that I've always been curious about a lot of things. I wanted to know why things happened, what happened, you know, what what caused things to happen. And so whenever I see or uh, something, uh, an event, or even see a movie or something like that, I'm always curious about, I uh, want to find out more about what happened. So I think I start from there. And then the next thing I would say is, you know there's old philosophers who say you don't know what the road looks like of your life until you get to the top of the mountain and so I think I'm kind of getting near the top of the mountain <laughs> but I'll get shoved off the mountain too, too soon here But when I look back, you know, I remember things like uh, in fourth grade, I won the Daughters of the American Revolution History Award for having the highest grade in in, uh, fourth grade history. Uh, At the time, that didn't have any significance to me. But, you know, when I look back now, I see that I had some kind of um, aptitude for for the past. Um, I... This is a lesson, hopefully, to to some students, some fellow students. And that... When I was... uh, going off to college or in and in college i had no idea what i wanted to do and i had a, a father who i admired a great deal um, and he was—he had been an accounting major, and, and worked at a bank. And so, in order to please him, I thought that's what I should do. And uh, I did. I—I I was an accounting major, got a business degree, and worked as a in a CBA firm for a summer. And and uh, that summer convinced me that I didn't want to be an accountant. <laughs> so there I was. I had a college degree, a business degree, and unhappy with what I, I had majored in. So then I thought, well, along with admiring my father, I was very competitive uh, and wanted to get more education than he had to to prove that I was just as good or better than he was. I was a rebellious young man in a lot of ways. We don't have to go into that part of the story. But um, so I went to law school as a way to you know, to have an extra uh, degree, to have something no one in the Garrison family had ever accomplished, a graduate degree. So I kind of fell into practicing law and practiced law for about seven years, most of which I was uh, very unhappy. And uh, when I would get home from work at night, being very stressed out, um, I tended to read a lot of history, just kind of avocational reading, read a lot of, you know, stuff about World War One, World War Two, the kind of things that uh, lay has lay people who are interested in history tend to read, and after about seven years of practice in law, i got it was i had had enough and decided uh, my firm was in particular turmoil at the time, and so I had to decide do I want to go to a different law firm to uh you know what do I want to do and ultimately, I decided I, I had been reading a lot of philosophy at the time about. Uh, happiness and how to secure happiness. And uh, I, you know, one historian argued that you're really not going to be happy t- until you're doing what you really love to do. So I made this incredible leap of faith uh, that if I pursued that path, if I did what I loved, that I would actually find a career in it. And fortunately, that's what happened. So I went back to graduate school and I got a master's in, in history and PhD and lo and behold after uh, looking for a little bit of time I got the job here so that's the best answer I can give that's a that's a good answer yeah, too, I think.
1: yeah that's perfect that leads me right to my next question okay. that is here Portland right. State University and its history department um I guess my question is what There are other major schools here in Oregon that folks have a choice of going to. Uh, What what distinguishes PSU's history department from others here in Oregon?
2: Well, I I have um, tried to do some outreach with the chairs from the other history programs around the state. And I have to say I've been disappointed in the responses I've received from some of the other chairs. But I just a couple of weeks ago, I met with uh, the chair from Oregon State, met with the chair from Lewis and Clark trying to find out more about what they do and to talk about ways we can cooperate. Um, and so I, I have to say I really don't know a lot about their specific academic programs and who their professors are and so forth. But I think what we can offer here at Portland State is um, you know, the, the typical things that an urban uh, environment can provide. Uh, students for instance you know we're just right down the street from the oregon historical society and the portland art museum and if you go over to oregon city you can go to the oregon trail museum and the museum of the oregon territory and i met i met with the uh woman who runs the museum of the oregon territory and asked her what's the difference between (laughs) the museum of the oregon territory and the oregon trail museum and i said what's your where are your lines of jurisdiction and uh, she said, "Well, if it's about people coming out into the Oregon Trail, then that's the museum of the Oregon Trail. And if it's after they we get after they got here, then that's <laughs> that's our museum. So, um, but that, you know, we have a lot of uh, local museums, archives, uh, places where we can uh, place students in internships." So I'd say that's one particular advantage we have. Another is, uh, you know, a good example is a couple of nights ago, we had James McPherson, the renowned Civil War historian here. And we have some resources, I think, uh, that other universities and colleges in the state don't have. We have, uh, you know, and people want to come uh, to Portland uh, and and stay a while and visit. Uh, and, if, and if they can give a lecture at the same time, that, that's even better. But, the, the, you know, to support that effort, we've uh, been able to construct, over the last couple of decades, a group called The Friends of History, And they, um, they provide funding to bring in lecturers like McPherson. So we have these you know, we have some resources uh, for internships and for public events and so forth, that I'm not sure other, other colleges and universities have. So, so I would say that. That would be a, a, a primary distinction for us
0: and so the looking at the department as a whole, how many history majors and graduate students are there in the department? Can you give us a, a rough figure too?
2: yeah i I just checked a, a couple of days ago, and we've got about two hundred and eighty five majors right now and about uh, forty graduate students and you know right now we're in a somewhat of a crisis in the study of history at least at the college and university level just to give you uh, some idea about in 2009 we had 550 majors we're down to 285 and we can talk about why that's the case if you want but um you know we are hoping that we've reached the bottom and that we're (laughs) headed back up uh in the future but it it is a little it's a little distressing those numbers but there's plenty there's plenty of uh (laughs) For those of you who are interested in history, to come join us.
0: Yeah, and I I think in a future show we will be uh, discussing a little bit more the reasons for that decline. Uh,
2: That'd be great. That'd be great.
0: And um, I think it's important we've talked off mic about this, that that that's a trend,
1: not just unique to this university, but right. it is something nationwide that universities and colleges are seeing a drop in uh, the history majors. So I guess if you had an opportunity to speak to an under, undergraduate who's undecided, who maybe has taken uh, a history class or maybe a university studies class that touched on history, right. um, why What would you say to them um, in regards to why they should consider history as a major field of study?
2: Well, you know, let me just jump back a little bit to this decline. I think uh, the primary reason for the decline started with the recession Uh, in 2008, the stock market crash and the recession. You can look at the numbers. They parallel the the economic environment. And there got to be this perception that, quote, you can't get a job with a history major – and uh, it's a perception out there. And I just met some folks uh, from the business community in the city a couple of weeks ago, and I asked them. I said, you guys hire students. Is it true that you don't want to hire history majors? Is that the reality or is that the perception? And every one of them said, no, no, that's, that's a misperception. That's not really true. We love, we love having uh, history history majors, humanities majors. So why is that the case? What value can history majors bring Um, to say a business right so you know and you know we we don't want our students working solely in businesses we have them in government in education um, in public service and so forth but let's just talk about business for a minute so let's say you have to write a history paper right you have to you're taking history 491 492 Uh, what do you have to do to write that paper well first of all you have to collect data right Um, you collect uh, primary sources you you do your research you go in the historical record you you're fundamentally collecting data right then what then what's your next step well your next step is to organize that data in some uh, rational way that you can use so you know we can talk about the details of how you do that but that's that's perhaps for a course but so what do you do after that after you organize your data, well you analyze that data right You try to make sense of it. What is this data telling you? All right, okay, well, once you analyze the data, then you're drawing conclusions. So then what do you do? Well, you write up this data, right? You try to uh, come up with a coherent explanation for whatever it is you're trying to explain. And then the last thing you do is you present your findings to an audience, perhaps in writing, perhaps orally at, at a meeting. Well, as I told you, I was an accountant and a lawyer, and both of those professions go through that exact same process, maybe not with a historical question, but with a legal question, with a business question. So that process of finding, collecting, organizing, and analyzing data is essential to almost any kind of upper-level position that you can think of. And if you think about it, that's why there are so many CEOs of Fortune 500 companies who our history majors, is because they understand that kind of analytical, critical way of thinking. So, you know, I am, uh, like I said, I was accounting major business school graduate um, and a history major, and I always thought that was a pretty good uh, preparation for doing what i 'm doing now, which is chairing a history department, which is not a business, but sometimes it seems like a, a small business but i you know I picked up a lot of management and organizational skills with the, with that background, and the history was the you know the fundamental part of the, kind of or, being able to organize my thoughts so i i think I think what happened. The reason our numbers are down across the country is I think we as historians have done a really lousy job of saying what I just said, and that is... You know we would if someone said you can't get a job with a history major, we should have fought them <laughs> right sure. uh, we sometimes study wars and battles and some so, and so forth. This was a time where we should have fought ourselves um, and I think we're starting to do that. I think you're starting to see a backlash against that perception now in in the press. you start seeing businesses saying we we want history majors, liberal arts majors, and so forth so
0: Yes, certainly. I mean, that's... um,
2: I hope that doesn't sound like a commercial. That's, in fact, reality, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think the perception you talk about is something I've um, at least witnessed within the university system. I mean, uh, going to high school and uh, my early college days, history didn't seem like something viable. I mean, the options were become a teacher or don't get a job. And so um, I think it's uh, refreshing to hear a lot of the professors at Portland State um, sort of uh, give you some of those other options right. and ideas about what you can do with a history degree
2: you know josh i remember in our class the first night of class last spring you know we had to wait for students to come down because we changed classrooms and yeah. i took the time to talk about this issue about the decline in history majors and i said why do you think this is and four of you at the exact same time said jobs yeah <laughs> so you had Many of you had bought into, or at least heard, this explanation uh, or this misperception that's out there. Yeah, but it's a constant—it's a constant battle. But I've—I've I've a lot. I'm—I'm I'm pretty. I can persevere, <laughs> fight the battle a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think when we uh, we have that show uh, discussing that, you're going to have to be back on. Sure, it seems sure. like you have a lot of thoughts.
2: I've been thinking about it for at least two years. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah.
0: Uh, so what have some of the students who have graduated from Portland State with a history degree done with their degrees? Um, you mentioned that a little bit. Right. Um, are there any specific examples? or
2: Well, before I give you some specific examples, let me encourage your listeners to go to the uh, History Department website, which is www.pdx.edu slash history. And we have a page on there about careers. And we've collected a lot of information about what history history majors are doing around the country. You know, uh, sometimes I kid around. Um, I, I point out to parents that at least five of the U.S. presidents were history majors. So when you know when you're when someone asks you. Uh, what can your child do with a uh, history major, you say, well, it can be president of the United States, right? <laughs> Which is true. It's a reach, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you look on there, you'll on the webpage, you'll see that we have a long list of careers um, and experiences that history majors uh, have gone into. And more specifically to PSU students, what we're doing is trying to collect information from our graduates on exactly what they are doing, right? And so if you go on there, you'll see little uh, vignettes of uh, what our master's alums have been doing. We'll start with the master's students, and then we're going to start trying to collecting on, on our BA and BS students. But, you know, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking the editor of the historical... Oregon Historical Quarterly is one of our graduates. Um, she's editing um, uh, the journal. Um, we have students at uh, managing museums um, all over the city. I just went to a fundraiser the other day for the Aurora Colony down there at Aurora below Wilsonville. Um, the uh, The guy that runs that uh, museum at the Aurora colony as a pSU graduate and we we just have them all over the state in particular historical sites and and museums we uh, we have them running startup companies uh, in the city uh, we have um, you know we have uh, our graduates who are uh, well our professors uh, all around the country that The chair of the History Department at the University of Oklahoma, for instance, is a PSU graduate. So we're sending them off to graduate schools to becoming uh, professors. Uh, We, as you mentioned, we do actually do have a lot of PSU graduates who are social studies teachers at K-12. A lot of my uh, master's students um, started out as um, uh, PSU student history majors and ended up teaching. Um, to, and they're just you know scattered all throughout the business world doing any number of things. So you know if you think back to what I said about what we're trying, what we're preparing you to do, you know we're not. There's very few of our students that end up being professional historians. In other words, doing what I do, right? If that was the case, it would be a pretty. If if this was all it was about, is creating professional historians we would be a pretty small enterprise because there wouldn't, we wouldn't get a lot of funding <laughs> for creating professional historians. But instead, we're creating people that we hope will be successful in life. Right? That's what we're trying to do. And that's, we're still a little bit old-fashioned, and we think you, it's nice to have the idea that you go to college and, and, uh, and, and come out with a career, but we, we still like to think that uh, we're preparing you for life as well. And and, and and citizenship, you know, um, and, and how to help find your place in the world.
1: Right. I think that's um, a lot of the reasons why I chose to study history. I think um, I've always been attracted to it, uh, just the subject matter. Um, I never actually thought too much about the, the, the career path as much as, like, what I like doing. Right. Um, and I think there are now more – there are opportunities as a um, – I guess in some ways it's they're freeing, in some ways they're restricting, but as a historian for hire, contract work, right. I mean, there's a lot more opportunities with media to, to like, you know, uh, I think what Joshua and I connected on was doing history in a media like radio or podcast, um, right. which is a new way to uh, contact and make contact with uh, folks who love the subject of history, love talking about it, but maybe you know don't have that time to to knock out that 500 page book um in the evening but the, we so new ways to engaging people absolutely
2: you know. you know and that's uh that's one of the things that we old timers have to come to grips with and that we we're not going to survive if if all we do is assign you um you know eight Five hundred page books, and then stand up and lecture to you every day. We have to find ways, you know, new ways to relate to students and, and to pass on historical knowledge. I think you know, Professor uh, McNewer's uh, heritage trees. Uh, course is a good example of that, of what of where we need to be headed, um, where we're actually letting students or helping students do the history instead of us just standing up there and, and talking at you. Um, so I agree totally with you. And, and to say about the podcast, it is a great idea. I walk about three or four miles every night if I can. And um, when I walk, you know, I'd be bored out of my mind if I was just walking. But I listen either to books or to podcasts. And there are some podcasts uh, that are about history. I'm not, you know, there can be kind of boring, and I'm a historian, right? (laughs) So, uh, but there are a lot of uh, podcast shows, interview shows. I won't plug any of them except yours. Okay, (laughs) thank you. You're welcome. That, in fact, deal a lot with history. And uh, one of them is very famous. Um, It it has an expletive in the title that I listen to quite a bit, but it's not specifically aimed at history but I don't know if he realizes it or not but I learned an incredible amount of history uh, from listening to that podca- podcast for instance I, I'm interested in the history of Hollywood and comedy and so forth so he has uh, hosted the, you know, these old timey uh, comedians, radio comedians and so forth uh, Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks people like that Dick Van Dyke on this podcast and, and, and that's history that's history, and uh, they, he's collecting primary sources. Is what he's doing, um, and what—that's what I've always been amazed. Um, I, I went to—I uh, remember going to kindergarten about fifteen years ago to meet my son's kindergarten teacher, and um, she asked me what I did, and she, I said, "Well, I'm a history professor," and she went, Ew <laughs> and I'm just totally befuddled by the fact that uh, people are not interested in history. Because everything has a history. You like rock music? There's a history to rock music. You know, you like rocks? There's a history of rocks. Right? There's. It, it's all there for you. And I, you know, if you have any interest in anything, there's a history to it. So it's, it's confusing to me.
0: Well, in sort of uh, expanding on this, um, yeah. how do you feel that radio and podcasting can help further the goals of not only the history department um, but historians in general? I mean, you, you touched on that um somewhat but it, i guess i'm thinking more um do you think this can uh i guess help in invigorate an interest in history that may not have been there before um, right
2: well first of all and you know this is not particularly new you know and this is a, a, a kind of a descendant of radio right uh podcasting sure. it's just that we can listen to it whenever we want and we don't have to luck into it. Right. Uh, we don't have to be waiting there on Friday night at seven thirty to hear you. Um, it's there. It's accessible all the time. So that's, that's one advantage. But I would say the thing that strikes me about, um, the podcast is the ability to do this. And that is to carry on a conversation. Um, when when we have lectures in lectures in you know the lectures are always good but the part i enjoy the best is the question and answer time and yesterday we had professor mcpherson come in and talk to our graduate students and all we did was ask him questions and let him respond and it's one thing to kind of listen to a lecture from a that's prepared and organized but it's really more interesting to hear a historian talk off the top of his head that's when you really get to see how really intelligent they are and how much they know because they are having to kind of uh, deal directly off the top of their head from their, from their experience and knowledge. I think that's what this uh, kind of uh, medium does, the podcast, is you can carry on those conversations and they're accessible. You can carry them with you wherever you want if you're walking three or four miles a day or on the airplane or whatever. Um, it's also a great opportunity for students. Uh, like like uh what you two guys are doing
0: um yeah and um you know i, I really do appreciate you coming down here to sure. speak with us because um you know you get some of this opportunity in class but um even that is only a small subset of people um right so i know our goal here um obviously our, our main audience is uh the history department and people that are students here at portland state but um You know, reaching out and kind of letting um, people who may just have a passing interest in history get a more in-depth look into some of these topics. um, I think it's really the benefit of the podcast and radio format.
2: Right. It's you know, it will be an opportunity as you go forward to meet some very interesting historians who are doing, uh, you know, groundbreaking work, groundbreaking research. Um, And it's a good way for people to find out about our department, and and those those historians are doing this work. It's a great chance to talk to them. I I tell students when I was in school, I would thought, uh, professors were ogres i was terrified of them and and i've discovered that some of them are <laughs> but no, but most of them are not and most of them are very entertaining and engaging people so i think uh, i think you'll enjoy meeting them and talking to them the next yeah
0: and uh you know coming up uh later in this term we have um well in two weeks out here we have professor knurr talking about the heritage tree program uh and her course on the heritage trees um I don't want to spoil too much beyond that. We'll be um, sort of keeping up with people on social media, and we're going to have a presence on the um, Portland History Department's website. Um, Just want to thank you again for your time, Professor.
2: Absolutely.
1: We're just about out of time for this first episode. Join us on Friday, October 23rd, for our next show. We'll be exploring the symbolic and historic meaning of trees. As Joshua described, we'll be having Professor Catherine McNore on, who last year taught a class on Portland's heritage trees. In addition, I will spoil it a little bit. We are going to show or feature some of the short audio stories that both Joshua and I, along with Kat Tholen, fellow history student here at PSU, we created on some of the Portland's some of Portland's historic trees. So again,
0: join us again Friday, October twenty third. Beyond Footnotes, sponsored by the PSU History Department, is recorded at KPSU Portland. Had music in this episode from Express Rising, Dustin O'Halloran, and Duff Center. Uh, You can hear other episodes of Beyond Footnotes by visiting kpsu.org, finding our show in the schedule, or going to pdx.edu slash history. Signing off, this has been Joshua Justice and Ryan Wisner. Thanks for listening.